0: Everybody, hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Welch Report with me, Jean Luke Welch. Make some noise, clap it up, get excited wherever you are. Like we always say, because we are back with another jam packed episode for you all today, covering the world of sports, specifically boxing in the NFL. On this episode, with the Philadelphia Eagles getting absolutely destroyed by San Francisco. Does this mean that we have overrated the Eagles as the best team in the league? But before we get to that, we have to talk about Ryan Garcia in his comeback fight against Oscar Duarte that ended in an absolute Dynamite KO. What did that performance prove for Ryan Garcia in his development as he's coming back from his loss to Tank Davis, and as well as we got the fight that many people have been looking for, maybe have gone under the radar as we've seen so many big major events throughout the year. But Devin Haney versus Vegas greats in Devin Haney's first crack at Super Lightweight for the WBC title. We just pro this title. How is that Friday going to go? My predictions on it all. We're going to talk about all this on this show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, well, actually, before we do, leave a like on the video, comments, thoughts, and opinions, subscribe to the channel, and share the show with everybody that you know, so we can build up this empire together on the road now, to a 1,000, that's right, we got our 500, now we're on our way to a 1,000, keep on sharing the show, please, so we can keep on getting this community bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, all the places we'll go, if we can keep this growth afoot, and keep this growth rising, as we continue to tackle everything that goes on in the sport. But without further ado, let's jump right into what we need to cover. At least you can tell to the last week. Talking about first Ryan Garcia versus Altica Duarte. And since we're talking about boxing, we got to step into the ring. That's right. Ring the bell. Let's get it started. Let's get this fight underway. Talking about the topic of the show. Round number one. For this boxing segment of The Watch Report, we have to discuss Ryan Garcia knocking out Oscar Duarte in the 8th round. This was, there was a bad blood in this fight. Duarte was somebody who was calling out Ryan Garcia saying you ain't, you ain't nothing. The country doesn't respect you. Mexico doesn't respect you. We call you Queen Ryan not King Ryan. Shade left, right and center all throughout the, the build up of this fight. And when they finally got into the ring again Duarte was a competent, strong dangerous opponent that could have legitimately knocked out Ryan Garcia. And what we saw was a tale of Two stories when it comes to Ryan Garcia in this fight. One story is the good story. That story being, Ryan Garcia showed a different mentality coming into the ring, coming into the the ethos of the world of boxing, again, after his comeback loss, showing a new attitude, which is phenomenal. It can't work for and against people, but in this case, it seemed like it worked for him. Now he's more so, uh, I understand, I gotta be tough mentally and physically and he showed it which was phenomenal and in terms of in the ring and boxing you i saw him using his jab more i saw him aiming to catch duarte with uppercuts throughout the fight which was great i saw him looking to catch openings that duarte had in his guard not afraid to throw leather not afraid to throw power and all of that power and speed was still there we didn't see him stray too far away from what got him to the dance from what worked for him in terms of the success that he's had in his career so far he didn't overly retool like we've seen other boxers uh-huh Anthony Joshua uh uh-huh. but out but we saw him take what he what has worked and look to try to build upon it to some extent which i'm happy for that's one side of the story the other half of the story however is not a good half it's not a great half it's not a phenomenal half it is indeed bad very very bad reason being is because there's two things that make the second half of this story in terms of what we saw Vine garcia do in this fight bad one this is a man who, when he did utilize certain tactics, he would then stray away from those tactics. Again, he's got some of the fastest hands in boxing. And he's incredibly powerful. And he's incredibly tall. As well, big for the weight class that he was in going um, when he fought. Tank. Now fighting at 140, 143, he looks great, filled out, phenomenal. He's always been a big kid. Great. But he still isn't able to utilize the size that he has to his advantage in the capacity that it needs to be used this is a man who when he did utilize the jab early on he then strayed away from it later in the fight and it got it became less and less apparent that he was able to make that jab something that could work now again he did use it to frame he did use it to posture the opponent and set up shots which i love we saw secor stevenson do that against oscar brothers and we've seen him do it against other opponents as well which is great again That's part of the good. But the bad is when he would stray away, he would stray away entirely. And opportunities that he should utilize that more and more, he opted not to. And because he opted not to, it really did mess up what could have been an even quicker night for him in terms of being the ability to get out Oscar Duarte and get him out early, potentially. However, the other bad thing about what we saw with Ryan Garcia was that defense oh my gosh what did we witness when we saw Ryan Garcia trying to get a new frame of mind in terms of being defensively sound again one of the biggest concerns about uh, that I've had with Ryan Garcia is the fact that he sticks his chin up it's the fact that he fights when he does fight tall he fights too tall he fights with terrible defense in mind that can opt for him to get open and get caught multiple times. Like we saw against Caleb Smith, like we saw against Javante Davis, and like we saw against Oscar Duarte. And how did he rectify that? By doing one of the most strange, awkward, and bad Philly shell defenses that I've seen potentially ever. I'm not saying that as hyperbole. I'm not saying that as somebody just to be, you know, ooh, um, what what's, what's what's the word hyperbolic or just uh, uh, grandiose this is legitimate I never seen something like that in the sport of boxing from somebody of the caliber that we see Ryan Garcia and other boxers at this stage in their career never this was a Philly show that completely turned away from Oscar Duarte made it so that there was nothing yes there was nothing that Oscar Duarte could do in terms of cutting, he cut off essentially one side of Duarte's offense. I see the game plan, but the installation of that game plan was so bad. It was so bad. It was horrible. It was terrible. And he still got caught consistently when he would throw, that, when he would throw up that guard, taking too much unnecessary punishment. Yes, it protected him. I understand it worked. But it didn't work to the degree that it needs to work, especially, again, for the, where he's trying to go at 140 pounds. No, it, this, is, this was not good. Again, I just applaud him for not overcompensating, for adapting his offensive game. But defensively, this was egregious. This, this was egregious. This looked, and I believe the commentaries even said it, after getting news from the corner. This looked like something that was made, literally in the ring, night of. And this wasn't one of those grandiose, oh my goodness, epiphany moments that was just a genius move. Like we've seen other boxers do to adapt and overcome. This was a move that was questionable. It was awkward. It was strange. It didn't fit Ryan Garcia in his style. Again, it worked, but we know If you follow boxing, we know it's not going to work in the long term. It's not going to work against TFM Lopez. It's not going to work against Devin Haney. It's not going to work uh, uh, against the upper echelon of 140. It's just not going to do it. It's not going to be something that will effectively make success breed for Ryan Garcia as his career goes on. If he wants to keep on fighting in this weight class, and if he keeps on moving up, then he's a big kid. He could keep on moving up. This ain't it. This ain't it. We've seen unpolished and unrefined fully shells before. We've seen unpolished and unrefined styles of defense before. But, we, but we, we saw that it fit who was doing it. And it was effective. This was effective, but it was for the wrong reasons. It was because of the fact that somebody hadn't figured out how to get around him completely turning his back from... His opponent turns to Ryan Garcia, turning his back from Oscar Duarte. But when Oscar Duarte did start finding some success, how'd you actually get around that guard? He was punching through it. He was, he was, he was punching through it. We saw Ryan Garcia get caught, get put in trouble, get trapped in the corner. It was, it was not good. That new style of defense completely puts Ryan Garcia in a absolute shell. There is no way he can actively throw any semblance of offense when he's in that type of defensive Philly shell. it's so turtle-like not in a good way in a bad way where you can't poke your head out at all because there's no real angle to throw anything on your end you impede their progress understandable to some degree but you completely nullify your own you can't even throw a real you can't really even throw an uppercut from that bad Philly show without completely being exposed and getting knocked out. At least that's the rich that you're running. This is, th- th- there are so many things that were not great about this return, despite the chaos, despite, again, the praise that I've already said. Ryan Garcia did and did well, which was phenomenal. I'm not going to discredit where where there should be credit. There was credit. There was some good. There was some real legitimate progress that was show. The only problem was it was so overshadowed and minute for when it actually did show that it it didn't breed a great performance, though it was a knockout, a phenomenal knockout. But it didn't breed a great performance, not at all. That's not even mentioning some of the other overwhelming problems that we saw from Ryan Garcia, still not using his straight punches, like his straight right as often as he should still not being st- definitely showing that he can't fight into two distinct styles, not just from the guard and from being on the attack. When I'm talking about moving around the ring, he showed he couldn't really operate moving and punching. We know he's better on the back foot than on the front foot as a boxer. Yes. Absolutely, because again, the countering ability that Ryan Garcia and the potential that he has at his disposal because of his speed and power and that check hook that he's got at his in his left hand is insane. But despite that, that's with him taking gradual steps and baiting his opponent. But when he, when he needs to move and still operate in some offensive ability, he can't do it. He's not great at it. He showed that he couldn't do it at all. There were times in this fight when he Derrick James himself said, make Oscar Duarte move to m- mitigate his ability to come forward and have effective pressure, because he can't punch when he's, if his feet aren't planted. Great observation by Derrick James, absolutely. But in trying to implement that game plan, Ryan Garcia was moving, but one, the footwork in his movement wasn't all that great, it wasn't, and two, he wasn't able to throw anything while he was moving. He he wasn't flicking out that jab to keep Duarte honest and keep him from just being able to stalk, stalk, stalk without anything coming his way. Yes, Oscar Duarte couldn't um, corner him and cut off the ring. That still didn't change the fact that against somebody that can, that's not going to work. To make a long story short, this fight really didn't show me what I needed to see from Ryan Garcia as he's trying to make his comeback to a title and come back from the loss that he had to Javante Davis. It just doesn't, again, maybe it takes some time. Maybe it takes more training with Derrick James. Maybe it's going to take a couple fights. Fine. I better see Ryan Garcia be active and be willing to get in the ring more. I need at least four times next year in rapid succession. Because right now, Ryan Garcia is going to hit a plateau. We already know that he's not better than, than Javante Davis. Yes. We know that. But once he wants to fight people like the Tia Females, like the Devin Hanks of the world in his weight class or potentially get a rematch with Tank at some point in time, which he said that he wants to do, he's got to show something different to give me any semblance of, hey, yeah, this brother's got a real shot. Because right now, this Ryan Garcia isn't showing me what needs to be shown. He isn't giving me any. Confidence to say, oh, okay, this progression is a progression that it may take some time, but something's going to build from it. Right now, it didn't. It hasn't shown. It hasn't. Even with the knockout. Even again, a sensational check hook that caught Duarte coming in on the inside. Knocked him out in the eighth round. It's phenomenal. But it didn't change and still doesn't change that we still see a Ryan Garcia that is incredibly rocked. And though we, I saw some sparks of improvement, those improvements weren't where they needed to be in terms of consistency in how he used his tools as well as overall improvement in all facets of his game. And to a degree, maybe some downsides or regressions in his game as well, like on the defensive end. He now defends like it looks like something we see out of the amateurs. We're being completely honest. It worked, yes, but we know that's not gonna that 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 can't be your main way to stop people from punching you. It can't. It can't. Because if anything, the biggest thing that leaves open is your body. Yes, we know you can't hit on the back, but at some point in time. You're gonna get a ref that's gonna say you're turning your back to your opponent. And where you get hit now is where you get hit. And since that's the case, liver shots wide open, right on the, right here, I forget where your liver is, but right here in the in, in the middle of your side, you're open, you're open with how Ryan Garcia defends with this new style a f- bad Philly show? Oh, I was wide open. Get somebody to see that the land correctly a couple times. They're going to test that body again like Duarte was trying to do. But they're going to be more effective with it, more precise with it, more successful with it. So Ryan Garcia, you ain't show me really what you need to show me when it came to your improvement when it came to you showing new facets of your game, when it came to having the ability to give us a sign that you are a different fighter, different animal but the same piece. to quote the great Kobe Bryant in his commercial with Nike at one point in time. Are you a different animal but the same beast? Right now? No. Right now, no. Right now, you, you're a different animal. Sure. Sure enough, you don't look like the same beast. You don't. Or to a degree, you do. And that's the bad thing. Let me rephrase it. You look like a different animal, but you do look like the same beast. And that's bad. Because the same beast, like I said before, had a ceiling. And unless you're a different beast, there's no you, you, you're going to keep hitting that ceiling every time. You're going to. And right now, you didn't show me that you have evolved beyond where you need to evolve to. Hopefully, we see Ryan Garcia in the future to rectify these wrongs and to show more impressive performances. Hopefully, we see that. But at this point in time, it's not the case. Not the case at all. But now, as we transition to the next portion of this show, second round of the fight, talking about Devin Haney versus Regents program for the WBC Super Lightweight title happening this weekend on December 9th. I believe that's the weekend. I can't remember correctly. Hopefully, it's not on Thursday, like I got one of my other dates wrong earlier this year. But despite that, we got to see this fight hotly contested, fathering and strength trainer, which the father David Hayden, strength trainer of, which uh, Buckley, have been going back and forth all night long, all year long, all month, however long they've been building up this fight, jabbing at each other all on Twitter, social media, it don't matter where, every chance they get, going at the other, this is a fight that's got, again, some real great implication not just with the two fighters but in terms of hype as a whole we've been we're looking forward to this this is going to be a good fight hopefully yeah that's what we're expecting but how is this fight going to go who is going to come out as the new or still wbc super lightweight champion well let's break it down shall we now let's jump into Regis Pogre, what does he bring to the table and how in the world can he actively win this fight? Well, Regis Pogre, as we know, is strong like an ox. One of the biggest power punches in the division. Legitimately can crack. Legitimately got pop to his name. However, this is a brother who does not, or in his last performance, didn't show good um, outing. Didn't show a good outing at all. Didn't show anything. He was very bad against Zarilla. I remember I covered that fight. I talked about this fight on that show or on this show. I talked about that fight on this show. It was bad. That performance was bad. That performance was very bad. Yeah, he knocked down Zarilla, but he also got knocked down by Zerilla. And the knockdown, it didn't count, but it should have been a knockdown. He looked out of sorts. He looked confused. He looked strange. He looked uncomfortable. All fight long, yes, he won, but it wasn't good at all. It was not good at all. Zerilla about took up a upset. It could have been. If that knockdown had actually been, that fight might have been an upset. It could have changed the tide of everything. If knock the knockdown had counted. But Zerilla made Poe Grace look strange and bad. Worst performance of his career is what Zerilla gave Poe Grace. Worst performances of Pro Grace's career was that Zerilla fight. Now he's going up against a better boxer who's able to utilize his length and athleticism better than any opponent Paul Grace has faced to date. What does this mean for Paul Grace and how does he have a chance of being successful? He's got to do what Lomachenko did and operate on the inside. He cannot let Devin Haney be able to operate with his jab on the outside. Because, again, Zerbele was able to operate with straight punches, jabs, and straights, and was able to make that fight incredibly close, taxing, and awkward for progress to get around. you he, he had trouble. Let's just face it, he had trouble. Absolutely, he did. Pokerese had trouble. Devin Haney is, that, is league's better boxer than Zerbele as a technical boxer he's got one of the best uses of his jab in the entire world of boxing. You've got to be able to mitigate that by fighting on the inside. You've got to make sure that you cut off the ring. And you don't let Devin Haney be able to use his feet and his jab to stay away from your power. Force him to have to face your power. Force him to have to face the threat of getting knocked out. Because we know you got the power to do it. We know Devin Haney got rocked against, I believe, was, was it was Jorge Linares? I believe. Lenores Ramirez? I think it was Linares. I could be wrong. Please correct me in the comments. But he's been stunned legitimately before. Saved by the belt. Now, I don't say that as a means to say, okay, yeah, he's definitely going to get clocked and knocked out. No. But I am saying that the risk is there to hurt him substantially. And Prograce has the tools to do so. And the biggest reason why he's got the tools to do so isn't just because of his God-given athleticism, talent, strength, and punching power. It is the fact that he is a Southpaw. Devin Haney has always struggled against Southpaws throughout his entire career. It's been a tough road for him to climb to beat Southpaws. For some reason, they give that brother trouble every time. Every time. They give him trouble. Give him trouble every time. Lemon Shekel was a switch hitter, and he fought orthodox and southpaw against Devin Haney. Gave him fits. Now you're going up against a power-punching southpaw in Regis Prograce. If you're Devin Haney, Regis has a legitimate shot at catching him. He can catch him with a straight right down the middle. He absolutely can. He can catch him with a hook behind the guard. He can catch and hurt Devin Haney. He can put it on him legitimately if he's able to cut off the ring and not allow Devin Haney to utilize his feet as a means to keep the fight on his terms. You've got to sway the tide if you read this progress because if you don't, you don't have a shot at beating him, in my estimation. I mean, puncher's chance, of course. We know this. It's a sport of boxing. But beyond that, no. No. You don't have a shot unless you're able to Catch him and turn that fight, not into a fight, but into a brawl. Turn it into a real brawl, an infighting brawl where you can muscle Haney around with the, again, with the notion that you are going to be the stronger man in this fight. And we're going to get on that when we cover Devin Haney and his way to win. But right now, you're seen as the bruiser you're seen as the, the man that can control the fight with the strength and power. If you're able to get on the inside and utilize that, control where Devin Haney is able to go, mitigate his jab by smothering his jab, by getting on the inside and making the jab non-existent, keeping him in front of you, cutting off his means of escape, making one side of the ring inaccessible. then you have a real shot at winning this fight. And you have a real shot at knocking him out. And If, if you catch him early, and catching right. Oh, he can't go down. He can't go down. So that's, Regis broker he doesn't have a shot at winning this fight. And he can win. But when it comes to Devin Haney, you now he can win. And if he will win, I got Devin Haney winning this fight. And he's going to win because of his feet and his jab, as well as his size and here's what I mean here's why I feel Devin Haney can win this fight and will win this fight Devin Haney's jab and football is going to be too much for Pilgrim to be able to figure out we saw it against Zerilla. Uh again respect to him but nowhere close to what Devin Haney is as technical boxer already covered. won't be able to do that jab is best in the business Pilgrim is going to struggle with having to get around that jab consistently all night long going to get frustrated and he's going to fall in, get overly aggressive, lead into counters. That's what I see is going to happen. All fight long. May not hurt him, because definitely he doesn't have great power, but it's enough to be able to, to get him frustrated and fall into his counters more and more and more. Eventually, that accumulation of damage will build up, and then he'll, he will won't want to come on the inside anymore. Because he keeps getting caught. Those pot shots, they may not hurt in the immediate. But you get caught with them enough. Especially with the amount of holes that Regis Progres has in his game. And in his defense. And in his ability to be open for counters. His willingness to lunge in unsafely. That accumulation of damage can build up. And do some real hurt later on in the rounds. And it will end in either a unanimous decision or... Potentially succumb to the damage and get stopped. Potentially. I'm saying the stoppage is probably unlikely. But the unanimous decision is probably what's going to happen. But it's going to be because he'll be able to outbox, use his footwork, confuse pro Grace, make progress, again, lunge in the counters, operate around the ring, never get hit with the power, and also use his size to control pro Grace when he does get on the inside. Because while Poe Grace is seen as the stronger man, Devin Haney, I think, is going to be the bigger man in this fight. Reason being, Devin Haney's been big his entire career. Similar to what we talked about with Ryan Garcia. When it comes to Devin Haney, now moving up to 140. Now getting out of being drained physically with him having to dehydrate constantly. We will see a Devin Haney who will be more flushed out will be more rejuvenated and be able to utilize his frame better than we've seen him do it before, in my estimation. We could see Devin Haney be deceptively, could see, I'm not saying it would. We could see Devin Haney be deceptively strong, not in charge of punching power, but in charge of being able to stand his ground and mitigate where progress goes, rather than the other way around, not just with his feet and with his jab, but with his legitimate size that he has on him. Again, he is a big guy. He is a big guy in terms of Devin Haney. Pogres is as well for the weight class, but Devin Haney is legitimately a big guy, especially when he's able to, when he rehydrates after the weigh-in. This is a man who we could see turn the tables on Regis Progress and not allow Regis Progress to, Stamp his power as a means of control, but turn it around and put progress on the back foot of not in terms of, oh, I'm a cold clock punch through you, but control you. If you get in on the inside, I can shove you off. If you try to clinch me up and force me somewhere, I can walk you back where I want you to go. You try to muscle me out or muscle me back into the corner, I'm not going to budge. That's what we could see from Devin Haney if it indeed gets to Pogres gets on the inside and try to utilize the strength and power we could see Devin Haney be able to counter that with his own power and submit what I've been thinking about Devin Haney for a while the reason why he doesn't have a whole lot of power and a whole lot of chaos is because he was fighting at 135 now if he fights at 140 and keeps moving up we'll see that power become more and more substantial. Remember Shakur Stevenson? We said he, again, as he got bigger, we saw his punchers or punching become more substantial. Forget the Santos fight. Forget the Santos fight. We've already covered why that happened. Bad performance still, but we covered why it happened. But we've seen Shakur as he's gotten up in weight. His punches have become more and more damaging. Not just sharper, but now more taxing on the body of the opponent. That's what we can see with Devin Haney when it comes to this fight at 140. A new, rejuvenated revamp and potentially sharper and more lethal Devin Haney from the perspective of his weight not being a factor allow for us to see fully what his body is capable of. And if we see that, it's going to be an easy win. It's going to be easy. Again, I could be wrong. But I got Devin Haney by unanimous decision. Devin Haney by unanimous decision. And if Regis it did knock him out, it would probably be, it would be from a shot that Devin Haney didn't see coming. If that did happen. And it can wholeheartedly happen. And if, but if it doesn't happen, which I don't think it will, I got Devin Haney winning by unanimous decision. Being able to outbox and just confuse and make Pro Grace look just like he looked against Zarilla when they fought against him. Make him look out of his element. Take him away from his comfort zone. Make him out of sorts. Force him to fight not the way that he wants to fight. Because for as talented as Pro Grace is, it's not up to the technical standards that you need to be at if you want to beat somebody like a Devin Lomachenko was able to do it and get on the inside consistently because his footwork is some of the, some of the best in the world. I still feel he should have won that fight against Devin Haney. Absolutely, I do. Very close to fail, but I feel he should have won it. Or at minimum, that fight be a draw. I've covered that in the past on this very channel. You can check it out on YouTube and on every podcasting platform imaginable. Go back and see that episode. But it was because his technical ability was so great. It allowed for him to be able to get on the inside to work. Though he was the shorter, smaller man. Will we see Regis Prograce have that same technical prowess at his disposal to be able to do that same thing? And in my eyes, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. I see him getting frustrated. I see him getting mad. I see him calling out Devin Haney for running. Even though that running really is, he just can't cut off the ring and he's getting outboxed and can't find a way to force the fight on the inside. That's what's going to happen. And we'll see a new WBC super lightweight champion in Devin Haney. Then we get to see Debra Haney versus TFE Lopez and all the other great fights at 140, which I can't wait to see. It's going to be phenomenal. But now for the final segment of this show, we have to discuss the utter devastation that the San Francisco 49ers brought to the Philadelphia Eagles in an absolute destruction process. Beating them forty-two to nineteen in a game where everybody was clicking on all fronts for San Francisco. Brock Purdy three hundred fourteen yards, four TDs. McCaffrey one hundred plus yards from scrimmage, both passing and rushing, with a rush TD. Debo Samuel one hundred yards receiving, and I believe I, got, I believe almost thirty yards rushing and. Rush TD and pass TD. Defense was amazing. Offense was clicking all night long. This team seemed unstoppable. And the Eagles looked like a sham. Oh, my. Oh, my. The Eagles looked like they were overhyped. They looked like we were giving them too much credit. So the question is, were we? Did we, as NFL fans, pundits, experts, everybody watching the NFL, did we give Philly too much awe for what they were able to do? Were we blinded by the tush push? Were we blinded by Jalen Hurts and his MVP level season and leadership that he's had this year? At least in my estimation, MVP candidate for this year, he has been phenomenal, and his him and his whole team have been have been great. They've even gotten a little rub off from the the Kelsey and Taylor Swift uh, situation. We'll call it that. And the joys of a relationship that they're having together with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Even Jason Kelsey's gotten some off from that and just made the team beloved. Been one of the most dominant O-lines in the league. A scintillating offense. was it all a sham? No. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. The Eagles aren't as good as we've been saying that they are. They're not a fraud of a team. Their record isn't a fluke. It's not. But we were blinded to an extent as to what else was out there in terms of who's really, you know, who really should be in the mix. And we were saying San Francisco. I've been seeing San Francisco sing, oh man, they're a phenomenal team. Absolutely. But San Francisco is, in my opinion, San Francisco as a built squad has always been talent for talent better than the Eagles. Philly's got great chemistry. And again, last season they played phenomenal. But this season, they're not dominating teams like they were dominating last season. But they're still winning. Games are, the games are a lot closer than they were and they're not as convincing as they were last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. But They're still great. They're still phenomenal. They still should be a favorite for the Super Bowl. They still should be. But the 49ers should be seen as the best team in the NFL. A three-headed offensive monster in Kittle Debo McCaffrey. A defense led by Nick Bosa. With Chase Young, who they just got. With Fred Warner. With a great backfield. They have everything coaching been phenomenal again Wilkes who's I believe their defensive coordinator has been great and is, again what do you why do you think they were able to do what they did to the Eagles they've got great all-around talent in every facet of the game they really do and this team should be seen as the best team in football again I'm wearing the panther shirt because I'm in mourning this is terrible for me this is this is willingly pushing myself to work under the worst conditions possible as a Carolina Panthers fan. So I ain't got no dog in the fight. Absolutely. I hate, I hate waking up on Sunday to see the Panthers play. It hurts me to see the NFL as a whole because my team is in utter disgrace. There might as well be 29 teams in the NFL, not 30, because we show ain't playing like one. Absolutely not. Turn, turn more left, right, and center. We've already covered as to why David Tepper, your bum, messing up this whole squad. But that's a whole cool conversation you can go see in my last episode. Absolutely. Go check it out. But I digress to still say, after going to church, coming back home, watching football is an absolute nightmare. But that lets me be unbiased, as I try to do in all things objectively, this 49ers squad went healthy because we know they got some injury concerns in the past. We've seen it happen before. But went healthy like they were this last week, or rather this past Sunday. Hard for me to see a team that can beat them. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. And the Eagles were not overhyped, but we expected more out of them than what they are Potentially actually capable of. At least when it comes to now when now that we have a pretty clear-cut view of the upper echelon of the NFL. It shouldn't be the Eagles at one. Should be the 49ers at one. Eagles at two. I mean, it, 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 it's just the case. Because tit for tat, health for health. Body on body. And production on production. Both these teams have been phenomenal. Both these teams have achieved a lot. Both these teams have become a force of nature in their own right. But once they faced up against each other. With everybody available. From my understanding. This is what happened. We were waiting on this game to happen. Two of the best teams in the NFL. Two behemoths in the league. And the Eagles got... Slacked, slapped upside the head. It, there, this has for now, it has to leave no doubt, at least for the immediate future. For the immediate. Up until next Sunday. It shouldn't be a question as to who's the best team in football. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. 49ers right now have shown that they should be the favorites, the leading favorites, to win the Super Bowl. They they should be. They really should be. This is a team, yeah, they got one more loss than the Eagles, but their production has been so phenomenal, so multifaceted. It's been great. To me, more impressive than what I've seen the Eagles do this season. And the Eagles have been phenomenal. This isn't disrespect or discredit. But again, it's 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 it has to be now. Again, at least for this week, we have to say that yeah, the 49ers, I think we gave we discredited them to an extent. Because of how blinded we were by the noise and production that the Eagles were giving us as NFL fans. Again, touch push for about a month was the ire of everybody in the league until it was finally stopped. And I've never heard from it again. They were perfect on QB rushes and the touch push all year long, except for one time. One time. After it got stopped, I don't think I heard from them since. I don't think I've heard anybody say anything about that anymore. It was a stupid argument trying to say, oh, it should be stopped. We should ban it. We should not do it. It should be illegal. It's ignorant. It's been in the league literally since the league began. It's the most, it is the epitome. It is the most epitomized play. In the NFL today, and potentially in history, of just what the NFL is 11 guys on 11 guys scrunched up against each other. When the ball is hiked, everybody just pushes with all their might, gets as low as they can to the dirt. And it's just a battle of will and strength. Nothing more, nothing less. The epitome of Three yards and a cloud of dust is on the line when that play is run. War in the trenches is no more epitomized in the sport of the NFL than QB sneak, a.k.a. for the, for the Eagles, touch push. Nothing epitomizes it more. Nothing encapsulates the game of football than that brief three-second play. And all of a sudden, because one, pe- one team was able to perfect it, now you want to ban it? It's ignorant and stupid. On everybody who tried to get that happen, Everybody who tried to make that a legit possibility. Everybody that tried to advocate that there shouldn't be a tush push or a QB sneak play. You're stupid. You're ignorant to have said something like that. It's ridiculous. But And, and as we saw in this game, it showed that that's not all you need. to. You need more than that, excuse me, to be able to win. And the 49ers getting back on track, 49ers collectively show that they have everything necessary to be the team that should be favored for the Super Bowl. And I've been on the Chiefs for a long time. as my pick to be the be the team to take it all and win it all. But now, after seeing this performance, on top of everything else that we saw the 49ers do throughout the entire year. No, I can't say anything more. Then I got to favor for the 49ers. I have to. And I know one of my good buddies, Simeon Hinton, is a 49ers fan. He's going to love me for saying that. And I hate myself for saying this. Ugh. Forget the 49ers. But they are, in my opinion, the best team in football right now. They should be the number one favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. They should be. If everything is healthy and they stay right. Nothing of the atrocities matter or atrocities manner happens to this squad. They should be seen as the one team to beat when it comes to winning a Super Bowl. It's going to have to go through them. It's going to have to go through them. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's probably fine. But right now, for what I've seen all season long, coupled with this game, not. Nah. This domination, you can't can't ignore this type of domination. You can't do it. There's no off game. There's no injuries. There's none of that. In terms of what the Eagles, it was just you got beat. You got beat up completely. You got done away with. There's nothing else to say. There's no context needs to be put into this win. It's just a straight-up win. You just got straight-up destroyed if you're an Eagles fan. And if you're the Eagles as a whole, you got beat. And you got beat soundly by a better team not just on that night but in general we as fans start waking up and realizing that that's the case 49s are the best team in football and they should be favored to win the super bowl this year as of right now and with that being said this has been another episode of the Welch report with me Jean luke watch thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show again leave a comment on the video subscribe to the channel share this show with everybody that you know we're available on every single podcasting platform you name it we're on it and if we're not we'll get the apple google spotify uh, uh, tune in whatever you can think of we are there share us rate us five stars so we can get this community built up and get more eyes on the show so i can make some moolah for you lot absolutely and keep on improving what we got going on on the watcher report. so again thank you for tuning in thank you for joining the show and we will see you all next time peace and love we are out of here